Well, good morning, Hope City Church. How are we doing this morning? How are we doing? I love stories like Amanda's. I love at the end it says, faith doesn't make life easy. It makes things possible, right? I'm so excited that you're joining us uh, today, joining me today for, we're in the middle of our Happiness Advantage series, a great way to kick off the new year. But I want to welcome you for those of you in the room or in our overflow room or online. I am honored to be with you this morning. My name is Katie and I'm one of the pastors here at Hope City Church. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, I grew up in this part of town, right here, south end of Louisville, about five minutes from here. You just go that way and go straight up to the top of a hill. That's where I grew up, went around, went to school around the corner. I love this city. I love Louisville and honestly, probably wouldn't want to live anywhere else, but actually I've never really lived anywhere else, so I guess that's it, right? Well, I I did spend a couple of years it's hard for me to say, at UK in Lexington. Like those were some dark years of my life. That was before Jesus. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But honestly, I did not actually give my life to Jesus until I was about 24 or 25 years old. And it was the best decision I've ever made. And my prayer for you is that you'll understand why by the end of this series or in this message, because during this Happiness Advantage series, we're trying to answer the question, does Jesus actually give you a better life. And we've been challenging you over the last couple of weeks to make the decision for yourself. Don't take my word for it or your friend's word for it. Really decide for yourself. Come to the conclusion of answering the question, does Jesus actually give you a better life? So two weeks ago, Pastor Jason kicked off the series talking about generosity. And he talked about how um, culture tells you more money, more things is what will make you happy. But we actually find that Jesus and science says that generosity and giving actually makes you happier. And he challenged us to measure, to figure out how we're measuring our lives or how we're spending our lives or also what is left after our lives. Changing our mindset to think about eternity actually will make you happier. And last week, Pastor Joe talked about purpose and how our life's purpose is to live with purpose. We are on mission, whether it, no matter our occupation or how we grew up or whatever that is, and people with purpose just are happier and live a more content life. You see, this big idea we've been coming back to in this series every week is Jesus doesn't just give you eternal life. He gives you a better life too. He gives you a better life too. We are looking at five different teachings of Christianity that are countercultural and counterintuitive, but these are the things that'll give us the happiness we're all searching for. We're all searching for, and scripture and science back that up. So we've talked about generosity, purpose, and today we're gonna talk about gratitude, and then next week we'll handle uh, self-control and then forgiveness. So if you missed the first two weeks, let me encourage you to go back and listen to them. They're absolutely incredible, and I think that you would get a lot out of them. But it's important for us to keep pointing out what Jesus says will make us happy and what science and research says. So let's start with Jesus. This is the verse we keep talking about, John 10.10. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, Jesus' purpose is to give them, you, a rich and satisfying life. Isn't that amazing? I hope that you believe that today. And our prayer is that if you don't, by the end of the series, you do. 
believe that Jesus gives us a rich and satisfying life. But the thing is, is sometimes you're talking to your friends or people that don't follow Jesus and they think you're a little crazy or think that they want to argue with you that, no, God is trying to restrict us from all the good things. Christianity is outdated. Christians aren't joyful, but according to some of the smartest scientists and health experts, it actually is true. Being a Christian does make you more joyful. In fact, research suggests those who regularly attend worship services are more optimistic, have lower rates of depression, are less likely to commit suicide, have a greater purpose in life, are less likely to get divorced, and are more self-controlled. Wow. Jesus actually did know what he was talking about, right? He did. And even though attending worship services doesn't necessarily make you a Christian, Christians have an advantage, specifically the happiness advantage. You see, the world offers us temporary happiness. And you have lived long enough to know that when you try to create your own happiness, create your own situations, you leave, you leave yourself feeling empty and disappointed. We know that when we try to take matters in our own hands, we mess it up. But Jesus, he offers the real thing. But the thing is, it's going to go against every fiber of your being. It's going to go against everything you've ever thought. And you'll eventually have to come to the place where you embrace the truth that his ways are bigger than ours and his thoughts are bigger than ours. So today we are going to be talking about gratitude. And I actually love that I have this topic because this is a value in my family. This has always been a part of my family. My parents are very much into, you make sure you say thank you. Make sure you say thank you. Did you say thank you? Did you say thank you? That's just my parents. Even like Christmas, I don't know how y'all heathens do Christmas. Y'all just like free for all, grabbing and opening presents. Maybe we sit, even to this day, all 20 of us will sit in a circle and wait until every single person has a present Make sure they know exactly who it's from. Watch each other open it so that we can say thank you directly to them. It's actually so fun because I have a four-year-old nephew who were like, Stephen, sit down, sit down. You have to tell them thank you. Stephen, Stephen, sit down. You have to tell them thank you. But I don't know. Some of y'all might just go at it as soon as you see, you know, something with your name on it, you're going after Christmas. But my parents just instilled that in us, this gratitude in us. We have to say thank you and please and Maybe you've met my parents or you know people like this, but like they just command respect. We all have those people in our lives that you know that you, you have to tell them, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, that's how my mom all is. My mom, you tell her thank you. You all have a family member like that. We all have that family member that you just cannot help but say thank you. And growing up, I was actually a little bit embarrassing sometimes when I had friends over, boyfriends over, and my mom would like deliver their plate to them and she would just stare at them. And I'm like, say thank you. Tell them thank you. You know, but it was crazy. It was so crazy because kids and everybody still like to be at my house. I was embarrassed. People still like to be there, but it's not crazy because according to science, gratitude has this way of bonding people together. Basically, people that are more grateful are more attracted. You're more attracted to people that have gratitude. 
See, I don't know how you were growing up or how your family is, but I would be willing to bet that the majority of you would say, I want my family and my kids to have a grateful attitude, a grateful perspective, to have gratitude. In fact, I want to be, I want to have a grateful spirit. But maybe you're thinking, I just don't necessarily have anything to be grateful for. Maybe you're in a season where you're like, I'll I'll be grateful when I get the thing that I've asked God for. I'll be grateful when I get that job. I'll be grateful when I get the promotion. I'll be so thankful when I finally get pregnant, when I finally get the spouse. Then I can be grateful. Whatever it is you're thinking, I'll be grateful then. I was reading this story the other day about a woman named Courtney Daly, and it was actually a research study that she had done after some crazy experience in her life. When she was little, she lost two siblings to a rare disease, and then she, and she got married and had this terrible divorce. Then she ends up marrying a widower who lost his first wife to cancer. And at 37 years old, Courtney found out she had breast cancer. Let me read you what she said in her research study about serene gratitude. It says, at 37 years old with five children, two of whom had already lost their mother and a husband who had lost his wife to cancer and parents who lost their children long ago, I was frightened, worried for what was to come. Physically, that would include surgeries, chemo, hormonal therapies, more surgeries, different medications, and scans along the way. Psychologically and emotionally, I faced some of the lowest lows fraught with sadness, anxiety, and fear, mixed with some of the highest highs filled with love, gratitude, and pure joy. Now, seven years past my cancer diagnosis, my active treatment ended long ago, and I'm healthy and strong. Though I still face fears of what-ifs around continuing doctor's appointment, occasional tests and scans, and daily medication. But I also recognize that while I may never feel lucky to have had cancer, to be divorced, or have lost my siblings at a young young age, I'm incredibly grateful for, for what those experiences have taught me about myself, my relationship with others, and what matters in life. Wow. Someone who had faced all these situations, was able to be grateful for them. I think we would say, I want that. I want to be able to face adversity, face things in my life, and still have a grateful perspective. But just like Courtney, we cannot change our situation, but we can change how we see it. Let me put it this way. I can't change my circumstances, but I can change my perspective. I, can, I can't change my circumstances, but I can change my perspective. You think life gets better. When life gets better, I'll be grateful. But the truth is, gratefulness actually makes life better. American Psychology Association has found that even if you cannot find something to be grateful for, just asking yourself the question, what am I thankful for, changes your brain chemistry, changes your perspective. Wow, right? I was reading this um, research journal about gratitude. It was published in 2015. It said gratitude can be a natural antidepressant. When we take the time to ask what we're grateful for, certain neural circuits are activated. Production of dopamine and serotonin increases, and those neurotransmitters then travel neural pathways to the bliss center of the brain. This is similar to the mechanisms of any antidepressants. Practicing gratitude can be a way to naturally create the same effects of medications and create feelings of contentment, 
the more you stimulate these neural pathways through practicing gratitude, the stronger and more automatic they become. Wow. The more you stimulate the neural pathways of practicing gratitude, the stronger and more automatic they become. It is science. There was actually another study where there was two groups of people. One group, every week, they sat down and wrote down everything they were grateful for. The other group sat down and wrote down just, ne- uh, just neutral events that were going on in their life. And at the end of 10 weeks, the first group it was said that they had a greater life satisfaction. They exercised more. They physically felt better. They felt better about their lives and were more optimistic than the other people that just wrote regular things. Psychology professor Robert Emmons calls gratitude the forgotten factor in happiness research. Do I have your attention about the power of gratitude? Do I have your attention? Gratitude changes your perspective, and the result is a more positive and happy life. But as believers in Jesus, we have an advantage. Do you know why? Because no matter what we face, we have something to be thankful for. No matter what life throws at us, we have something to be thankful for. We can be thankful for Jesus. See, the truth is, when you give your life to Jesus, your circumstances don't necessarily change, right? To be honest, you raise your hand, life doesn't necessarily change that much. Your situations, you still face the same sicknesses as everybody else. You still have the same car trouble as everybody else. You still have the same finance problems as everybody else. You still have the same pain. When you stub your toe, it still hurts, right? Circumstances do not change, but what can change is your perspective because we have a reason to be thankful. We can be thankful for Jesus and the eternal life that he provides, but not just eternity, Jesus, that we can be thankful that Jesus gives us a better life too. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, God doesn't cause everything, but he does work things out for our good, and we can be grateful. Not everybody in the world can say that. Not everybody in the world has something to be grateful for every day. I tell my husband, Brett, all the time, I have no idea how people live this life without Jesus. I can only imagine what it would be like to not have Jesus in my life. Every time I face a difficult situation, it makes me more and more thankful for my relationship with him. As Christians, we can have a different perspective, a grateful perspective Let's look at what Paul says that God's will for our life is. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will. So simple. Always rejoice, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So simple but so not easy. It can be difficult. For many of us, gratitude is difficult because life is difficult. Not just the big things like uh, cancer or financial problems or depression, but the ordinary day-to-day life can make it hard to be grateful. Unfortunately, we are just used to focusing on what's going wrong and what's going wrong in life. But Paul is challenging us here to give thanks in 
all circumstances. In all circumstances, not just when things are great, not just when we have what we want. He wants us to give thanks in all circumstances. But hear me, Paul isn't saying, give thanks for my circumstances. He's saying, give God thanks in the middle of your circumstances. Give God thanks in the middle of what's going on. Don't thank him for your circumstances. Sometimes it is like we think, well, people are just more joyful. There's people in the world that just have more joy, that are, have a better perspective on life. And I'm just, it's just not me. But Paul is saying all of us are supposed to rejoice always. All of us are supposed to give thanks in our circumstances. But how do we do that? How are we able as Christians to give thanks no matter what we're facing, to get this grateful perspective? And I think there's three keys to doing that. And the reason I say keys is because I want to say steps, but they don't necessarily have to go in order. In fact, they kind of sometimes work better in reverse. But everybody say this with me. Say, see it. No, sorry. Stop it is first. Stop it. See it. Say it. Say it. Stop it. See it. Say it. All right. The three keys to get a grateful perspective. Number one, stop it. Stop complaining. Whew. Let me just let that sink for a second. All right. <laughs> Scripture tells us that our words get, bring life or death, but it's so much easier for us to focus on the negative and the po- than the positive. But if we're being completely honest, most of the things that we complain about, we used to pray about. I wouldn't necessarily say that I asked God, God, I need you to send me ClickList. I need somebody to deliver my groceries to me. But man, when I pulled up at ClickList and my kids were sleeping in the back seat and they loaded up my groceries, I was like, thank you, Jesus. But now all I do is complain about the fact that they can't get my deli meat right and the cantaloupes are rotten. Yeah. So, but in all seriousness, it's in human nature for us to focus and complain about the things in our lives, whether it was an answered prayer But also it goes way back to the very beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden, focusing on the fact that they could not have um, the one tree, the one fruit. And then we have the Israelites. Y'all know them, right? They're like slaves in Egypt, and they're crying out to God. And they're like, God, rescue me, rescue me. And he does. He delivers them from slavery. They go into the wilderness. But look at what happens in in Exodus 16, verse 3. It says, If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now he has brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. They're wanting to go backwards to be slaves again. And they're complaining about the very thing they asked God to do for them. And they're saying, we're hungry, send us food. And God is gracious and he does and he sends them manna. And they're all like, yes, we have enough food for everybody. But then... Later on in Numbers, it says, Then the foreign rabble who traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to what? Complain. Oh, for the, or for some meat, they explained. We remember the fish we used to eat free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks that we wanted. But now our appetites all are, are gone. All we ever see is manna. They're complaining about the very thing that they prayed about. God sends manna, and then a couple of chapters later, they're complaining about it. But we are guilty of that too. We become so used to the miracles and the blessings that we forget to be grateful for that. 
Maybe you're complaining about the job that you asked God for. Or you're complaining about your spouse that you've prayed years and years for. Complaining about your kids driving you crazy. When you remember a time that you weren't able to get pregnant. We complain about our car and our house and the debt that we're in. But I'm guilty of this too, but we can't change what's happening in our lives. But we can change our focus, our perspective. And the first step to doing that is to stop complaining. Stop complaining. But I know that some of the things that you're complaining about are real, really hard. You're facing sicknesses and financial problems and other things. And I know that it's hard, but can I tell you there's hope? There's hope in Jesus that no matter what you're facing, that there's hope on the other side of it. But we have to stop speaking death into things and stop complaining. So the first thing was stop it. The second key to this is see it. See the blessings in our lives. See the things that God, open our eyes and see what God has given us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that everything we have is a gift from God. See the gifts. Look around. See all the good things that he has given you from the clothes on your back to the person sitting right next to you. The gift of music. The gift of laughter. The gift of the food on the table. The gift of this church or your job or your kids. We have to open our eyes and recognize the gifts. You have an opportunity to recognize everything you have as a gift. And when you do, you will be genuinely grateful. But sometimes we have to see that even the dark moments in our life are also a blessing. Sometimes those moments where you're in your bedroom crying out to God are a blessing. And you have to see that because you haven't ever been as close to him than you were in that moment. Sometimes seeing blessings through your pain, seeing that there's a blessing that you can help someone else with. If we open our eyes and recognize that we have blessings all around us, even through trials. James 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. For us as believers in Jesus, we consider it joy when we face trials because we have a chance to grow in our faith and get to a place where we're complete and needing nothing. But you have to be able to open your eyes and see even those moments are blessings. Even those moments are blessings and they can change your perspective. So the first key was to stop it, to stop complaining. The second key is to open your eyes and see the blessings and the gifts that God has for you. And the third one is to say it. In 1 Thessalonians verse, or chapter 5, we read it earlier, Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't just say feel thankful. He says give it. Say it out loud. I am thankful. It is an important practice to tell the people in your life that you're grateful for them. Not just thank you for the gift that you gave me or thank you for helping me do this, but looking in them in the eye and say, I am grateful for you. 
I am grateful for you. That can change your brain and also your heart. But not just giving thanks to people, but giving thanks to God. Because he deserves our gratitude. I know that maybe what you're facing, you're like, I don't think I can thank God for this. I don't think that I can thank God for the experience that I'm feeling right now, that I'm grieving the loss of someone or I'm hurting or someone I love is suffering. I can't thank God for that. I can't give thanks. You may not be thankful for the trials, but you can still give thanks to God because God is still good. The best example I have of someone who gave thanks in the middle of some not great circumstances is Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he is crying out to God and he's praying, please God, take this cup away from me because he knows he is about to face the cross. He's about to be crucified in a criminal's death. And he's like, praying so much that it says that like the sweat comes down like blood. I don't know what that means, but sweat drips down like blood. And he is praying, God, take this away from me. Change my circumstances. But if it's your will, let it be done. But you know what he does right before he goes into the garden? He sits down with his disciples for the last, what we know as the last supper. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 17 It says he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this cup and share it amongst yourselves. In verse 19, it says he took some bread and he what? Gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke the bread in pieces and gave it to the disciples and says, this is my body, which will be given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus knew exactly what he was about to face. He knew that God wasn't going to change his mind, but he took time to look up to heaven and give thanks to God for the things that he had. I wish I could say that about myself too sometimes. About seven years ago, Brad and I went through something we thought we would never be able to give God thanks for. You see, we had our first daughter, Rayleigh. I was pregnant with my second child and We were so excited, but we had some complications. I went in for an ultrasound, and I found out that I had something called a blighted ovum, which is a miscarriage. Um, And But everything had grown except the baby, and we were having to make a decision on whether or not um, to take some medication or what we needed to do. And after lots of prayer, we decided the next day I was going to have a procedure. But we never made it to the next day. That night, I had a miscarriage at my home you know, won't give you the gory details, but it was the most painful and heartbreaking thing I've ever experienced. I sat there and watched my husband helplessly wanting to help me, and he couldn't. And in that moment, I don't think that I could have given God thanks, but we laid down in bed, and we cried, and we prayed, but I'm so I'm not necessarily in that moment. Could I say thank you, God? But now I can say thank you for the struggles that brought my husband and I closer together. Thank you for the times that we had our, had our moments where we had to pray so hard, pray so hard together where we became closer to each other and closer to God because he really, God really is close to the brokenhearted and his strength really is made perfect in our weakness. Maybe there's something in life you never thought you could be thankful for. 
You've experienced something and you're like, but look, that you never thought you could be thankful for. But looking back now, you can say, thank you, God. Thank you that my dad left so that I could see what it's like to, for, so my mom and I could have a great relationship and so that I knew that I would never walk away from my family. Thank you that my mom was addicted because now I know the destruction of alcohol and drugs. Thank you, God, for unanswered prayers. Thank you for the breakup that I never thought I would get over. We cannot change our circumstances, but we can change our perspective. We can stop complaining and focusing on the bad, see the blessings, and give thanks to the people in our life and to God. But it doesn't always have to go in that order. Sometimes seeing the blessings helps you. Sometimes seeing the blessings helps you stop complaining. Sometimes saying thank you helps you see the blessings. But what's really counterintuitive is that as Christians, if you look back at history, it's hard for us to say, like, they should be so grateful and joyful. Because since the beginning of time, they've been persecuted. Since beginning, after Jesus left, the disciples were killed, beheaded, crucified. In other countries, there's still persecution. So why can Christians still be joyful? Why can we still have, be thankful? Why can we still have a grateful perspective? It's because we still have Jesus. Because we know that God created everything. He created us. And he gave us Jesus so we can have salvation. Thankfulness isn't just a positive technique for us. It's a deep disposition toward a life-giving, life-saving God. So if while you've been listening, you're like, I really don't know what I can be thankful for. You can be thankful for Jesus. You can be thankful for Jesus. When I was researching different things about this message, I came across a thing that says, why, like it says why people feel grateful. Like when, how do we feel grateful? How do you feel grateful? And it says gratitude happens when an act of kindness exceeds your expectation when it, and when it's undeserved. You experience gratitude when an act of kindness exceeds your expectations and is undeserved. Do you know what that is? It's grace. It's amazing grace. It's God's grace. His free gift of kindness that we don't deserve, that exceeds our expectations. That we look back at all the things that I've done and everything that I will do and he still loves me and forgives me. That exceeds my expectations. That is undeserved. We don't deserve eternal life and forgiveness, but he gives it anyway. God is gracious and shows us kindness that exceeds anything we could ever expect and deserved. And because of that, we get to feel grateful. Jesus took the penalty for us. Grace says that no matter what, he forgives you. Even when you turn your back on him, he forgives you. Even when you yell and scream and you're angry at him because of what you're facing right now, he says, I forgive you. I forgive you. Talk about undeserved and unexpected kindness. That is what changes your perspective. That is what changes you to feel grateful. And because of God's grace, we get the advantage. We get the happiness advantage. So as I close, I want to leave you with this challenge. 
every day for the next seven days, I want you to answer this question. What am I grateful for at this moment? Right here, right now. What am I grateful for at this moment? Right here, right now. Write it down. Say it out loud. If it's a person, tell them. If it's something God has done, which it probably is, tell him that you're thankful. But take the next week to focus on what you can be thankful for and just watch and see how God can change your perspective. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can be grateful in every situation, no matter what we face. God, we believe that we can change our perspective as we focus on you. God, we thank you for your amazing grace that is undeserved. God, that we couldn't do anything to take it away, God, and that you exceed our expectations by forgiving us over and over and over again. God, we believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for us, God, and we can be thankful for that. God, I pray for those in the room that are searching for something to be grateful for, God, and that I pray that they realize that the one thing that they need to be most grateful for is you, that you're a God that loves us no matter what, that you're a God that holds us close when we're brokenhearted, that you're a God that even through the pain and the suffering and the moments of despair, that you are there with us and we can be thankful for that. We can be thankful for you. God, we love you. God, we praise you. In your holy name we pray, amen.